Can we say Happy New Year now? Happy New Year. Wasn't quite time last Sunday. We were so close, but Happy New Year. Holland Chapel, hope everyone is doing well. Uh, Pastor Grant did a wonderful job last week opening the Word of God and saying, hey, invest in someone. Got a bone to pick with him, uh, though. He basically said, my job is not uh, relevant. He was like, hey, how many of you remember a sermon? Everybody was like, no. Do you remember people? And they were like, yeah. So I don't even know why I'm up here, church. Well, you know, I'm up here. Thank you, Pastor Grant. No, you did a wonderful job. Invest in someone, disciple someone, care about someone, help someone follow Jesus more closely. Well, hopefully you're ready for the new sermon series called That's a Good Question. I want to set this up a little bit, kind of give you some framework as to why we're doing this. Oftentimes in our walk with Christ, uh, whether it be uh, internal, like our, our own struggles, our own questions, or maybe the questions of other people. Other folks may come to you and, and pose a, a question, and you may uh, sit there and, and you might go, hmm, like, that's a good question. You ever done that? Yeah, uh, someone ever uh, posed something to you and you're like, I, I don't really know. I don't really know. That's, that's a great question. Well, all too often in our walk with Christ, we're posed, again, either internally or or, or our question is is given to us externally by somebody else that we may not really know the answer to. They may be a common question with a complex answer, right? And we don't really know how to go about that. So what I've done is I've asked you, right, about a month or so ago, I said, hey, help me out. Help me plan this sermon series. What's some stuff on your mind? And you did a wonderful job. There were over 50 questions submitted by you. So I want to I want to get I want to air this out right now. This is not going to be a 50-week sermon series. Okay? So what we've done is we've taken those questions and we have uh, looked at each one of them and thought, how can we do our best? How can we do our best to answer as many questions as we can? So over the next five weeks, what we've done is compiled five questions that should answer multiple questions every Sunday. So if you're listening, you hear me? If you're listening, your question may be answered indirectly. It may not be posed on the screen, but it may be answered indirectly. So what I'm saying, it's a sales pitch, tune in. Tune in to every word. And then week number six, what we're going to do is often there were questions posed that really won't uh, frame up or shape up to be a 30-minute sermon. So we're going to kind of Q&A a lot of questions on that final week. So Hang out till the very end. I promise you'll enjoy that one as well. So that's a good question. What is question number one? It's going to be on the screen. How can a Christian handle seasons of doubt? How can a Christian handle seasons of doubt? I think this one is pretty profound. There's a lot involved in this question. So hopefully you got your listening ears on this morning. We're going to do our very best to tackle this question. How can a Christian handle seasons of doubt? But what I want you to notice about what the question says is how can a Christian handle seasons of doubt? So this morning, the answer is directed towards, listen to me, believers. Believers are called believers for a reason. They believe, right? Christians believe at the root of Christianity is faith. At the root of Christianity is belief. That's 
That's who we are. Those in this room, those leaning in this morning that are lost, this is what the scriptures say. It says, without the Spirit, those, those that are lost, they consider the things of the Spirit foolish, and they cannot understand. So for those this morning that are believers, this answer is for you. How can we handle seasons of doubt? How can we handle seasons of doubt? Those that are lost, they, they doubt everything, right? They are, they are apart from the Spirit. This won't make sense for them. But for those that are believers this morning, we can receive guidance from the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Do you believe that, church? We can receive guidance from the Lord this morning. So before we handle doubt, we need to look at the opposite of doubt, which is faith. So let's talk about faith real briefly this morning. What is faith? In Scripture, we are told to be stable and steadfast in our faith, in our, in our belief, in our faith system, right? That's saving faith. Romans 3, uh, it says uh, it was counted as righteousness, Abraham, his belief. Like that's how he was counted righteous was his belief in God and his promises. It also tells us that that's how we are counted righteous, church. It's our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace, help me out, church, through what? Faith. Faith, faith is everything. It's going to be on the screen. If you're a note taker or take a picture of this, write these down. This is what faith does. Faith that saves, right, the saving kind of faith is characterized as being increasingly stable, steadfast, unshakable, never shifting from the hope of the gospel. We find that in Colossians 1, 23. Faith, it endures until the end. Hebrews chapter 3. Faith, it grows strong enough to shield us from Satan's attacks. We get that from Ephesians 6, 1 Peter 5. Faith, it keeps us in the love of God. Jude 20 and 21. It matures to bear fruit. James chapter 2. It gains us victory that overcomes the world. And God's people said... Amen to that one, 1 John 5. This is saving faith. This is the faith of children of God. Faith for us, listen to me church, it's everything. Faith is everything for us. This is what faith is. So hone in on that, take a picture of it, look those up, it's good stuff. This is saving faith. This is what God wants out of us. But do we always have this? Do we always possess this kind of faith? Do we possess this kind of saving faith in all of life circumstances? Do we have this type of faith right now? Are you in that season of doubt? You see, I think in the Christian walk, it's much like a roller coaster. Many moments of of heights, when, when faith is easy, when everything is great, but also seasons of low, right? Seasons of doubt. So how do we handle those seasons in our life when doubt creeps in? When this type of faith is really difficult to have? How do we handle that season? What do we do as children of God? Well, Let's do it this way. Let's answer this way. This is going to be on the screen. This is what we need to understand as Christians. That we need to understand that doubt ultimately dishonors God. 
I know that's a tough truth. We need to understand that our doubt dishonors God. Martin Luther writes this, What greater rebellion against God, what greater wickedness, what greater contempt of God is there than not believing His promise? You ever uh, tried to convince somebody of something and they just will not believe you? You ever done that? How does that make you feel? Terrible. In my house, raising two little ones, right? Uh, And if you've got little ones, you know they have a tendency to lie, right, moms and dads? We learned that at such a young age. And and in my house, uh, you know how I know that the oldest especially is telling the truth? When I question it. When I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? When I don't believe her and she has a meltdown, that's when I know she's telling the truth. And you see, I think what a nine-year-old tells all of us is that we don't like not being believed, right? Man, it's disgraceful. Imagine how that is for a holy God. The only one that is worthy of complete and total trust, God the Father, yet so many times we doubt Him. Doubt, we need to understand this morning, before we really get to how to handle the season of doubt, we need to understand that it ultimately dishonors God. It's displeasing to Him. Understand this, child of God, that the Holy Spirit at work in us never produces, protects, or encourages doubt. The Holy Spirit will never produce doubt in the life of a child of God. We are told in Scripture that the Spirit of God does not produce a spirit of fear, but that of a sound mind. Listen to me. Doubt is of the devil. Doubt is of the devil, not of the Spirit. But what do we do when doubt comes? What do we do in our life when doubt whispers, listen to me, that the Bible isn't true? What do we do in our lives when doubt whispers that God is not always faithful? What do we do in our life when when doubt whispers that the blood of Jesus is not enough? What, What do we do when doubt comes into our life? What do we do when our life is like that of the father of the demon-possessed girl? And he, he runs her to Jesus for healing, and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Can you relate to him? So often in our life, we, we believe, but God, help my unbelief. It's so real. It's so common. God, help me in my unbelief. Help me in my doubt. But please hear me out, church, and make no mistake, child of God, doubt will come. You may be a person uh, this morning that's like, that's not for me. I'm glad I showed up, but uh, this one's not for me. Well, it just hasn't come yet. Doubt will come into your life. There will be a season of doubt. The only difference for us in the room this morning is how long it will last and how far it will take you. But doubt will come into your life. And so you need to understand, child of God, how to handle that season of doubt. So let's get to the answer. The first thing that I want you to write down, child of God, is this, is that doubt is a trial like any other trial. That doubt is a trial like any other trial in our walk. But here's how I want to set this one up. 
is we need to, uh, we need to have an open and honest conversation about doubt. It, it's, it's not commonly talked about in church. And, and doubt even is taboo, right? Uh, man, we struggle to talk about doubt. <gasps> that means you're not a Christian, right? We, we, don't, we don't talk about doubt. We'll talk about lust, though, won't we? We'll, we'll talk about greed. We'll talk about anger. We'll, 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 we'll talk about all sorts of things, but we, we just won't talk about Doubt, because that's one of the tricks of the devil. Satan wants you uh, uh, to to hide in your shame and in your guilt of doubt. Does he not? So many people walk in here on Sunday mornings ashamed of how they're feeling. They're they're ashamed of the doubt that's in their life. And they come in here and they they, they put on a smile. And they sing songs being full of faith. And they sit there to listen to the word of God. and, And they doubt walking in and they doubt walking out. And I mean, I just don't want to talk to nobody. I want to share with anybody because doubt is taboo. Like we can't talk about that in church. Well, here's what I want you to do this morning. I, I need you to normalize, not relish in it, right? Not glory in your doubt. But, but I need you to normalize that doubt is a trial like any other trial. That this is something that Satan uses. And listen to me, church. He's been using for a really long time to derail God's people. We need to normalize doubt as a trial. But listen, it's a terrible enemy, is it not? We need to normalize the struggle that so many of us have with doubt. It's one of Satan's original and most effective tools. Genesis 3, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat? The fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You see how he works? Did God really say that? Did did God really give you that instruction? Is that really from him? Man, he's been using doubt. He's been using the temptation of doubt to derail God's people since the beginning. What makes us think that we are immune to that now, church? Man, doubt is real. And it's a trial like any other trial. Doubt came after the great leader Moses in Exodus. We see it really profound in Exodus 3. Came after Asaph in Psalm 77. Came after Habakkuk in Habakkuk 1, 2, and 4. Zechariah in Luke 1. John the Baptist in Matthew 11. John the Baptist came after him. Peter, do you remember the story of Peter? Walking on the water, took his eyes off Jesus, began to doubt, and then he did what? He sank. Oh, listen to this one. Thomas, doubting Thomas, in John chapter 20. I want to read a little bit of Thomas's story. Do you see how it's come after all kinds of characters in the Word of God? Man, we need to normalize the trial of doubt. Don't glory in it, church, but understand that it's a trial like any other trial. John chapter 20, 25, let's look at the story of Thomas. This is the disciples. They told him, we've seen the Lord. Jesus has uh, been crucified, he's been buried, and he's come back to life. This is what they say, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Listen to me, a disciple of Christ, one who walked with Jesus in person, heard all the stories, knew exactly how it was going to unfold, still doubted. 
The disciples who, who witnessed this with the return of Christ was like, man, he, he came back. I believe it when I see it. You that kind of person? God, I'll believe you when I see it. I, I, I'll believe you when you finally do what I've asked you to do. I, like, I'll believe it when I see it. I think the story of Thomas is very relatable for a lot of us this morning. I'll believe it when I see it. We're going to look at more of Thomas' story in a little bit. But what these characters help us do is understand that, that doubt is a trial all too common for the children of God. So we need to normalize it, right? Don't set it off in a corner, but learn how to deal with doubt. The second thing that I want you to write down is that you need to share your doubt with someone. If you're in a season of doubt, you need to share your doubt with someone. So this first, the first thought, man, it, it, doubt is taboo. Don't talk about it. If I'm doubting anything, then I'm not a believer. If I'm, if I'm doubting God, then I'm, my faith is weak and terrible. So we hide in that shame. We hide in that guilt. We don't want anybody to know about it. The second point is like, hey, listen, that's a lie. Talk about it. Start to open up about the season of doubt that you are in. What we see in the Word of God, uh, how He has placed the church uh, for us, is that the church is designed to help the church. That the people of God can help one another. Galatians says to bear one another's burdens. I think a season of doubt would qualify. Don't you, church? It would qualify. So, so many of us are ashamed. And here's the real reason we don't talk about our doubt. It's because doubt... It's very shameful, isn't it? Well, yeah, Luke, you just told us that it dishonored God. It's shameful, but listen, we need to put some light on it. We need others to help us in it. And what Satan wants you to do, uh, wants you to believe, is that when I finally do share my doubt, I will be met with uh, judgment, ridicule, shame, Right? If, I, if, I, if I share my doubts with people, if I share with my pastor or I share with my small group, if I share with my, with my ladies that, man, I, I'm just struggling to see how God is in this situation or I'm, I'm struggling to see that, that every word of the word of God is true or I'm struggling to see that, that the blood of Jesus could cover all of my sins. Like when, when, we, when we start to believe those lies right, that I can't share with anybody, oh, it pulls us into a dark place, doesn't it? We feel alone, we feel isolated, we feel like I'm the only person that's dealing with the doubt. Well, listen to me, you're not. We've just read lots of characters in the Word of God who struggled with doubt, and you need to talk to somebody about it. If you open up about your doubt, here's what I think will happen for you in Jude chapter 22. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. I think when you open up and share with the, the church, share with the people of God that you are struggling, you're going to be met with mercy, not judgment. I think you're going to be met with grace and understanding and biblical counsel and prayer. I think that's what you're going to be met with. Could be wrong, but I think that's what you're going to be met with. And if you open up and you share about your doubt, you may have somebody sitting across uh, the table from you going, I've been there. I've been there. I've doubted, and God saw it through. I think you're going to be met with mercy, not judgment. 
Don't believe the lie of Satan that you're the only one doubting. Learn to share your struggles. The third thing that I want you to write down on how to handle a season of doubt is this. Seek God, not your doubt. Did you hear that, church? Seek God, not your doubt. I get this. I I really do. I understand how it works. When we are in the season of doubt, that's really the only thing that we can see, isn't it? We're consumed by the doubt. We study, we research, we do all these things that it seems like our life is consumed with the doubt. And before long, we're so desperately wanting to get out of it that all we're looking at is the doubt. We're not looking at God, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're leaving him out of the equation. And all we're doing is staring at the doubt. Don't focus on the doubt. Focus on God. Stop looking at the doubt. Don't dwell in it. If you find yourself in a season of doubt, whatever it is about God that you are doubting, listen to me. Hear me out. Take a break from it. Take a break from it. Do an activity. This is where we're just going to get super practical in, in faith. Uh, many people uh, uh, question why, like, why, why do hunters hunt? Well, a lot of them, they like to kill stuff, no doubt. But listen to me. I love being in the woods by myself. I love it. I can't tell you the times I've set the rifle down and I've walked over and I found a tree and I've just sat down and I prayed. You ever been there? Like whatever season that that I'm going through, like I, I like to get alone with God. So many times when we're struggling, when we're doubting, when we're shame ridden or guilt because I'm feeling this way, all we do is focus on the doubt. Get away from the doubt and seek God. We read a passage of scripture, I believe, in our prayer series, but I want to I want to circle back around and I want to read it again. Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8. That's what Jesus says. He says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Listen to me. Stop focusing on the doubt. And start focusing on God. Keep asking, keep longing, keep searching, keep him in focus, even in the doubt. And what Jesus says, you come after him long enough, at his time, he'll show up. He will show up. The fourth thing I want you to write down is that we need to wait patiently for God to deliver. We need to wait patiently For God to deliver. So what about Thomas, right? We said we would come back to Thomas. Thomas had to wait. Thomas had to wait on his answer. Eight anguishing days. Eight days of anguish. John chapter 20, 26 and 28. Let's look at his story. You're going to get a lot of hope from this. 26 through 28. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. 
And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, before we, uh, don't read ahead. Every time someone has unbelief in Scripture, Jesus deals with them specifically. Every time. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Then Thomas explained, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. What I want you to notice about this story is that the doors were locked. And at just the right time, Jesus appeared. Locked doors couldn't hold him back. Time couldn't hold him back. But it was by his sovereign design to make Thomas wait. In your life, in your season of doubt, I don't know why, but oftentimes God may make you wait to be delivered. Doubt can torture and test us, can it? But it can also teach. And so maybe in your season of doubt, In your eight days of anguish, God is wanting to reveal something about himself to you. And here's what I think he's wanting to reveal to you. You ready? Hang hang on. You with me? In our doubt, God is wanting to teach us how fragile our faith really is. God is wanting us to understand in our season of doubt that our faith only exists if he upholds it. Amen? So in your season of doubt, understand that you may have to wait patiently for God to deliver you. And in that waiting, don't waste it. Cry out for Him. Long for Him. Use that season to grow more like Him. And at just the right time, it may be eight days, Maybe eight years, maybe a lifetime. At just the right time, listen to me, church, he'll deliver you. He'll restore your faith. He'll bring it full circle. And he'll stand before you, and he's like, listen, be faithless no more. Believe. What I love about this story, if we were to keep on reading, he said, Thomas, you've believed because you've seen Blessed are those that will believe who have not seen. Not a person in this room has laid eyes on Jesus. But we believe in him, don't we? At the root of everything that we are is faith. Will you believe this morning? Remember that doubt dishonors a holy, trustworthy God. Repent of the doubt. Understand that it's a trial that many will encounter. 
We need to normalize it. We need to talk about it. We need to share our doubts with other people. We need to look for the God that's over us all. And we need to wait on him to deliver. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for being faithful, even when we're faithless. Thank you for being sovereign, even when we doubt. Thank you for upholding us in our weakness. Thank you for being patient with us when we struggle. Thank you for not turning your back on us, even though we've given you reason time and time and time again to do so. God, I can so relate to the father that brought his daughter to you that was struggling, knowing full well that Jesus can heal. He said, I believe help my unbelief. God, help us this morning when we doubt you. You've never given us a reason to do so. But help us when we're weak. I'm begging you to strengthen our faith today, tomorrow, Till you come again and we can see for ourselves help us Lord in Jesus name